Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. Two kids were looking at a bathroom scale, and little kids, and one of them said, what is that? The other said, I don't know, but I think when you climb up on it, it makes you mad. (laughs) What makes you mad? What do you get angry about? Is it mostly by people or by circumstances? Is there someone that you're trying to get back at, even though that person may be dead, but you still have the anger and the hurt? You get so mad that if you spit, the grass would die. Anger has a way of taking away all your happiness and making you one miserable person. We've been talking about the bumps that keep on bumping in life. And today we talk about the bump of anger. Did you get angry at your wife last week? Did you get angry at your husband? Did you get angry at the children? Did you get angry at the boss? Did you get angry at yourself? Is all anger sinful? Is it possible to be angry, to have anger inside you and you not know it? These are questions we want to deal with as we talk about anger. If you haven't gotten angry this week, one of three things. Number one, you're not in touch with your feelings. Number two, you are a liar. Number three, you are completely sanctified, and I know you, you're not. So more than likely, you got angry this week. So anger is a daily problem. You see, all of our problems with anger do not have to do with the past, but with each day, we have daily annoyances, daily irritations, traffic, long lines, rudeness, The anger hooks that snag us are often small hooks. Our peace of mind is pebbled to death. It's a daily problem. It's a difficult problem. I want you to understand that dealing with anger is difficult. Working through that process, working it out of your life, keeping it out of your life is difficult. It's frustrating. Alexander the Great conquered the known world, but he could not conquer his own emotions. He couldn't conquer his own anger. It's not only a daily problem and a difficult problem, it is a damaging problem. It's the number two killer on the highway behind alcohol. It's behind all the violence and the crime in our society. We live in an angry society. And we're not really safe out there. We don't feel safe out in our world today because of the anger. It destroys home life. It is the number one enemy of love. The number one enemy of intimacy. 90% of counseling has to do with anger. Unresolved anger is a video in your life that keeps playing all past offenses over and over and over again. It affects our jobs, our productivity, our spiritual lives, because you see, many people are angry at God. They may not know it, but they're angry at God. Depression, that's anger that's turned inward. 
It affects our health, high blood pressure, ulcers, all kinds of physical problems as a result of anger that has not been addressed, that has not been dealt with, unresolved anger in our lives. Let me give you three consequences of unresolved anger. Number one, emotional distance. When you allow anger to seethe, to boil inside you, when you just stuff it down and do not deal with it, or you deny that it's there, or you're blaming everything else, what that will bring into your life will be emotional distance. Distance between you and other people, distance between you and God. You can't get close to others, you can't get close to God. It will affect every relationship of your life. Some of you have never, ever been able to have a good relationship, and you don't even know why. It's because of unresolved anger in your life. And as long as that issue is unresolved, you will never, ever be able to give and receive love to experience the joys of intimate relationships with family and friends until you settle that issue of anger. Anger creates emotional distance. The second is emotional immaturity. Have you known some people who, who just act childish? Especially when they don't get their way, they act just like a child. Guess what? They, they've got anger that they've never dealt with and they're stuck at that child level, that emotional level of a child. And every time that person is hurt again, you get that childish behavior. Emotional distance, emotional immaturity. The third consequence is low self-esteem. I can't be worth much if this is the way I'm treated. If this is the way people treat me, if this is what happens to me, if this is what God allows to happen to me, I can't be worth much. Low self-esteem. What is anger? Anger is a strong irritation. It is a strong feeling of antagonism toward someone or something that has the potential to hurt you or to harm you or to threaten you in some way. Maybe it's something that has harmed you or hurt you in the past or something that you fear will harm you or hurt you. Anger has to do with injustice. You feel like you have been hurt in some way. You have been taken advantage of. There is an emotional injustice, and it is your response to that injustice. Maybe it's in your past, maybe it's in your present, but it's there. I want to give you three common causes of anger. Number one is frustration. You see, anger shows itself in that needs have not been met. You have unmet needs in your life. Unfulfilled expectations. Things have not gone the way that you planned it. Frustration. The second cause of anger is hurt. You've been hurt by someone, hurt by something and you're striking out like an animal who's been wounded and strikes out anything that comes by it. The words that you wanted have not come. The actions that you expected did not come into your life, and so you're hurt by that. The third cause is fear. You are afraid. Afraid of rejection. Rejection is a very powerful thing in one's life. And when we feel rejected, we get angry. Afraid of abandonment, afraid of disclosure, fear. 
So what I want you to understand is that anger is a secondary emotion. That you have to look through anger and see what the problem is. What is the root cause? It will be fear or hurt or frustration or a combination of those things. And it will come out in your life over and over. It will come out in your relationships. Now let me tell you a tragedy. Most of the pain in our lives is caused by our own lies. Things that our mind tell us and we take it to be truth whether it is truth or not. We accept whatever our mind tells us. When our mind tells us that we're unloved, we take that as truth. That people are out to get us, we accept that as truth. That we're no good, we accept that as truth. You see, we are to use our emotions, our feelings, we're to use anger as a signal to always test it and find out, is what my mind telling me, the thoughts in my mind, is that true or is it not true? Don't just accept it because it's there. You decide if you have a reason to be angry. If you don't, give it up. If you do, find a way to process that anger and deal with it or turn it into creative energy to use it for some good purpose. There's some things we know about anger. Number one, it is universal. We all get angry. No exceptions. Oh, someone of you say this morning, I, I tell you, I don't, I don't get angry. Oh, I may get a little upset, I, I don't get angry. Or we say something that sounds a little more spiritual. I, I'm not angry, I'm just hurt. Hello? Hurt is anger. You're angry. It's universal. We all get angry. It is a God-given emotion. It's mentioned over 400 times in this book. It's a feeling that God gave us. The third thing about, that we know about anger, it is often exaggerated. Psychologists call it awfulizing. Something happens and we say, this is awful. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You know better than that. But why do you tell yourself that? This is awful. This is terrible. There's something called the Johnny Carson scale. If you are as old as I am, you remember Johnny Carson and Ed, his sidekick. And Johnny would come out and do his monologue and he would say, boy, it has been a hot day in California today. And Ed and the audience would say, how hot was it? Well, on a scale of the Johnny Carson scale of 1 to 100, everything that happens in your life will be on the scale of 1 to 100. The worst thing that could ever happen to you, the big one, is 100. It means you die. So when something happens to you, rather than exaggerating it, rather than awfulizing it, look at it. Use anger as a signal to really look at this thing and find out how bad is it. I haven't been angry since yesterday. Oh, don't look so spiritual. Some of you this morning. But it was on Benton Road with a train. I finally got out of the line. The train would just stop for lunch, or supper or something. <laughs> this is awful. How bad is it? I'm sitting in a comfortable car with air conditioning, listening to a disc, a CD of wonderful music. 
And I'm saying, this is terrible. It's just going to hold me up for a few minutes. It couldn't be more than a three or a four or a five. Why make it a 75 in a restaurant? It takes the food 20 minutes to get out. How bad is that? Well, you could be grateful that you can get food. You can pay for it. You don't have to go hungry. You see, gratitude and anger cannot coexist. How bad is it when you're standing in this long line? And understand, folks, I'm preaching to me, but I also know that I'm preaching to you. Lines drive me crazy because whatever line I get in stops. And then I start focusing on why the line is stopped because somebody is doing something dumb. Like talking to the cashier. Who talks to the cashier? Who cares about her family and kids? i got to get out of here. And women are the worst. And they're getting out pictures, showing the pictures in the billfold. How bad is that? See, we exaggerate. We say, I can't stand this. I can't stand this. I cannot stand it another day. How many things that you could stand have killed you? You all still are pretty much alive. So we say, I can't stand. You can stand a lot. You're talking about something that's a three or a four or a five, and you're saying, I can't stand this. You're exaggerating that. The fourth thing we know about anger, it is not necessarily sinful. Jesus got angry, and he did not sin. Now, some of you self-righteous crowd, you say, well, you know, that's my kind of anger. I get angry like Jesus got angry. My Greek word for that is baloney. Jesus' anger was redemptive. It was selfless. He didn't get angry when people were hurting him. He got angry when people were being hurt, when the Word of God was being violated, the truth of God was being violated, when people were being used. It was selfless. It was righteous anger, redemptive anger. You see, there are two kinds of anger, justified anger and unjustified anger. Righteous indignation. We say, you know, know, I don't get angry. You know, mine is, it's righteous indignation. We're not a very good judge of righteous indignation. Do you know that? (laughs) Because here's how we think. If I'm the one getting angry, it's righteous indignation. If you're getting angry, it's unwarranted anger, unjustified. Like the kid who said righteous indignation is when you get angry but don't cuss. Justified anger is when God's word and God's will are consciously disobeyed by God's people and that makes you angry. Or when the enemies of God overstep their boundaries. We ought to get angry about abortion. We ought to get angry about child abuse. We ought to get angry about secular humanism. We ought to get angry about crime and violence. Just to be totally upfront with you, the things we ought to get angry about, we don't. And the things we shouldn't get angry about, we do. Most of our anger is sinful anger. Unjustified anger. How do you know it's unjustified? When the motive is wrong. It's unjustified. What is my motive? Why am I really angry? It's unjustified when pride is the problem. 
I'm upset because I did not get my way. It did not work out like I wanted it to work out. It didn't work out like I planned it. And I'm angry. You see, most of us would have to be honest with God this morning and say, oh God, most of my anger is because somebody stepped on my ego. Somebody rained on my parade. Somebody messed up my plans. And I'm angry. Jonah got mad because revival broke out in Nineveh. God sent him over there for revival, but he didn't want revival because he didn't love those people. He didn't care about those people. He was prejudiced toward those people, and he was angry. And it was unjustified anger. It's unjustified when action precedes investigation, when we jump to conclusions, when we make judgments, when we don't have the information. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. And then in James chapter 1, verse 19, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16. And by the way, there are many, many proverbs that have to do with anger. If you want to learn more about anger and your, the proper response to anger, read the book of Proverbs. A wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is hot-headed and reckless. A quick-tempered man does foolish things, and a crafty man is hated. Now, what I want to do in these minutes this morning is, and I cannot exhaust the subject of anger in one brief message, but I want to give you some practical help because I struggle with anger. And by the way, you can be angry and not know it. Many of you are angry deep inside and you don't even know it. You're blaming it on a lot of other things. And you're having trouble in your relationships with God and with other people. And the problem is a deep-seated anger that you're not even aware is there. We all struggle with anger. So what I want to do is I want to give you seven steps to unload destructive anger. You want to write these down because if you don't need them today, you'll need them tomorrow. Number one, admit that you're angry. Be able to say, I am angry. Isn't it amazing that many of us have trouble even saying those words? Well, I'm not angry. I may be upset, I'm hurt, but I'm not angry. Don't suppress it. Don't repress it. Don't express it vindictively. Do confess it. Confess it to God. Confess it to yourself. I'm angry. Tell God you're angry because guess what? God already knows. Hello. Look in John chapter 2, verse 24. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. He knows our hearts. He knows your heart. If there's anger in your heart, guess what? God knows that it's there. And so if you're going to have an honest relationship with God, then you better acknowledge that you have anger in your heart. I'm angry. It's real. I admit it. The second step, ask yourself why you are angry. There's an interesting passage over in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, you know, got angry and he, and he admitted his anger. And the King James Version says when he got angry, he consulted with himself. Nehemiah says, I consulted with myself. I said, self, 
Why are you angry? That's a good approach. Ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Why am I angry? You've got to identify the source. Because listen to me, listen, listen, listen. If you do not identify the source, you're going to hurt a lot of innocent people. If you don't recognize and admit that you have anger and deal with it, then you are going to spray that anger on people all around you. You're going to blast away your children. You're going to pour it out on your wife. You're going to pour it out on your husband. You're going to let some little thing set you off and there's going to be this gigantic explosion and you're going to wipe out some person and hurt that person deeply because you're not dealing with your anger. And you're not identifying the source, but it's people, circumstances, or unsolved anger from the past. You know I love Diet Cokes. And here are two cold Diet Cokes. They both look identical, but they're not identical because one of them I threw out there in the hallway and let it bounce for a while. Oh. Now, you as an unsuspecting soul would expect to open this Coke up very quietly and enjoy it. But are you going to be in for a surprise? It will spray all over you and create a mess because it's been damaged, it's been hurt, and it built up pressure. Angry people spray on those around them. You see, that anger that's not dealt with builds up inside. And then when some little something happens, that anger sprays out. Oh, you don't call it anger. Because you're not identifying the source and you're not dealing with it. And it may be unresolved anger in your past. If so, you've got to identify that anger and where it's coming from. You've got to define the offense. Something happened. Some hurt, some frustration, some fear. Maybe your parents, maybe God, maybe an employer. But you've got to identify the offense, what happened. This is why I'm angry. You may want to write it out. You may want to write to the person and tell them about your anger. Whether you mail or not is insignificant. But you want to identify that anger and feel that loss, that pain, that hurt, and grieve over that. And try to understand the other person who hurt you. Put yourself in that person's shoes. You've got to go through those steps to process that anger if it's anger that's unresolved in your past. Step number three, don't sin. That's a surprise. Don't sin. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. This is a great passage that deals with the subject of anger and relationships. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So anger is a choice, at least how we deal with it. After this hurtful act, this frustrating experience, this frightening thing that happened, 
then you have a choice to make. And you can move from that fear, from that hurt, from that frustration in one of two directions. You can move toward healing or you will move toward bitterness. You will move toward becoming better or you will move toward becoming bitter. Now remember, anger is a feeling. You can't stop the feeling, but you can prevent the fight. You can prevent the, the vindictive expression of that feeling. To have feelings of anger is not sinful. That is universal, that is normal. You can't stop your feeling. But your response to that feeling, what you do with it, how you process it, that's what makes the difference. And as a believer, you know that you can deal with that anger. God says you can. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, which is love and joy and kindness and meekness and patience. And so God has given you the resources to deal with anger in a positive way. So you can say, I am angry. And this is why I'm angry. I'm identifying the source. But I choose to deal with my anger in a positive way. Verse 31 tells us what to do with it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So he says, you've got to get rid of anger. And this is a downward spiral. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. You've got to get rid of anger because if you don't get rid of anger, then all of these things begin to happen in your life. And it will be devastating to you emotionally, devastating to all your relationships. You can't have a right relationship with God. You can't have a right relationship with your husband, with your wife, with your children. All because you have unresolved anger that you're not dealing with. Don't sin. He wouldn't have said that if it were not possible. It's a command. Get angry, but don't sin. There's a way to process it. There's a way to deal with it. There is the Holy Spirit that God's given you. And then he says, don't wait. That's the fourth step. Don't sin, don't wait. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let anger get over a day old. Do you know if couples would make that one commitment, it would stop most divorces from ever happening? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. One man said he and his wife made that commitment. They wouldn't let the sun go down on their anger. And he said one year they didn't sleep for three solid months. Well, you may lose a little sleep, but it's the best commitment you could ever make. So we have the commands, do not sin and don't wait. In other words, deal with anger appropriately, biblically, and God gives you the resources, God gives you the power, God gives you the grace, and don't wait. Do it quickly. Because you see, our temptation is to feed on it. And we say, I'm angry, but, and I want to get it straightened out, but not now. I want to forgive that person, but not yet. Or as a couple, you say, well, we'll just sleep on it overnight, and tomorrow it'll all be fine. We'll all wake up in a different frame of mind in the morning, and it'll all be gone. No, 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 no. If that were true, couples would all wake up happy in the morning because all the anger would just work out during the night. But you know what? If you go to sleep with anger, you wake up with anger. And that anger may lie dormant for a while. It may lie dormant for a week or for a month. But I promise you, 
It will come out and you will spray it on your mate. You will spray it on your children. You'll cause all kind of hurt in people's lives because you have unresolved anger that you've chosen not to deal with. And if you don't deal with it, it gets worse. And if you don't deal with it, it gives the devil an open door into your life. That's what the book says. You're angry. But if you just stuff it down and you refuse to deal with it, you won't admit that you're angry, then that opens the door and says, okay, devil, come into my life. You've got me where you want me. Mess up my relationship with my wife, with my husband, with my children, with my God. You open the door to Satan when you allow anger to go unresolved in your life. Step number five. We're talking about how to unload destructive anger. Forgive the offender. Now listen to me. I don't care what has happened to you, who has hurt you, what the circumstances are. The only way that anger will ever be dealt with is through forgiveness. There is no other way. The only way to deal with anger is by forgiveness. And until you are willing to forgive the offender, no matter who he is or what he's done, you will never, ever deal with anger, and it will continue to boil inside you and like an acid eat away at the very container of life. And it will spray on other people, and it will mess up every relationship you have. Let me tell you what it means when you forgive somebody. You're saying, I let you off the hook. I release you. The word literally means in one form to untie. I untie you. I no longer hold you in hostage. I release you. I no longer hold it against you. You see, you say you forgive somebody, but if you're still holding it in your heart, it's going to come out with anger. It's going to come out emotionally. So forgiveness says, I release you. I untie you. I will no longer hold this against you. I give up my desire for revenge. It's over. You're forgiven. Someone has said that forgiveness is the greatest expression of unconditional love. And you see, the reason that you and I can forgive, it's a gift of God. We can forgive others because God forgave us. And not only did He forgive us, but He gives us the power to forgive other people. You say, but you don't know what that person has done to me does not matter because whatever has been done to you, worse was done to Christ. And yet he forgave you. You've done more against Jesus Christ than anyone has ever done against you and yet he forgave you unconditionally. And he lets you off the hook. And he says, as a gift, I'm giving you the power to forgive other people, to release them, to let them off the hook. And unless you do it, you will never, ever be able to live the Spirit-filled life. You'll never be able to enjoy the peace and joy and fulfillment that comes out of that Spirit-filled life because you're holding on to unforgiveness. Reach out to that offended person. That proves you've forgiven. Pray for them. Pray for their happiness. Pray for their success. And what you're doing is you're praying all of that bitterness out of your life. You can say, yes, I'm angry. This is why I'm angry. This is what has happened to me. I've been hurt and I feel that hurt. I feel that loss. I've grieved through that process. 
That's been done. I know the source of my anger, but I'm a child of God, and I have the Holy Spirit of God in my life, and I'm going to deal with this anger the way God told me to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it by forgiveness. I'm going to stop that acid from eating away at the container of my life because I'm going to forgive the person who's hurt me. I'm going to take away the power of that hurt by forgiveness. I'm going to make a very strong statement that I believe the Word of God backs up. If there is anyone in this world whom you haven't forgiven, then you are not right with God and you cannot be right with God. You can't walk in the Spirit. You can't know the fruit of the Spirit in your life if there's any person that you've not forgiven. Let me just ask you a question. Is what some person said or did to you worth missing out on that relationship with God? Missing out on the Spirit-filled life? On the peace and the joy that God gives? I don't think so. Step number six. Look for a lesson in this experience. Don't waste your hurts. Don't waste your sorrows. What can I learn from this experience, this hurt, this frustration, this fear? God says, I want to use all things for your good. I can work in all things to bring good into your life. Step number seven, be proactive to prevent it from happening again. Oh, will you ever get angry again? Yes. Is there some decision you can make this morning, walk down this aisle and make a decision, and you'll never, ever have anger again? No, that's impossible. You will always deal with anger till Jesus comes. But there are ways that you can be proactive in preventing this same thing from happening over and over again. One thing you can do is you can clean it up. Whatever this happened, you make sure that you've totally forgiven that person and that you've cleaned it all up. You've dealt with it. You've got to the source. You've got to the root of it. You acknowledged it. You extended forgiveness. And that has been totally cleaned out so the devil cannot get in there and mess it up. You can also not sweat the small stuff. As the cover of the book says, the title of the book says, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. Stop awfulizing. Put things on a scale of 1 to 100. How bad is this? Is it worth destroying the relationship with your wife over your husband? The relationship between you and God, your children? Is it worth your being miserable? Keep a sense of humor. Now I want you to lean in close and listen to me. Do you suppose that the reason you have never ever felt really close to God? Oh, you love Him. Maybe you serve Him. But there always seems to be something between you and God. You don't feel His unconditional love. You don't feel that you're really special to Him. You don't really feel that you have this close relationship where that He's going to really take care of you. Something is between you and God. Could it be that you're angry at God? I don't know what over. Maybe you lost a child. And you're still angry at God over that. Maybe your mate walked out on you and you're angry at God over it. Maybe life didn't turn out like you planned it and you felt trapped. 
And though you've loved God and you've worked for God and you've, you've given your money to God and you've, with your head you know that God is God and that you love God, but that relationship has never ever been warm and wonderful and intimate. And every time you get close to God, there seems to be something there that keeps you from being intimate with God. Could it be that you're angry at God? You see, you can be angry and not know it. I want you to have freedom. I want you to walk in freedom. That's why I've given you these seven steps. So that if you're angry at God, you can acknowledge that anger, you can identify that it's God, and you can deal with that, and you can forgive God and walk into freedom. Could it be that you're angry at your father who let you down or who abused you or you could never please him? Or maybe he died on you. I was killed. Is that the root of your anger? You see, it doesn't matter what the root of it is. It matters that you identify the root and you deal with it. You call it what it is. You acknowledge it. And then you cover it with forgiveness that's full and complete. And God will give you the power to do that. And you clean it up. Now, there may be somebody here this morning, or maybe several of you, you're just an angry person. I mean, you have anger at the core of your being, and it poisons every relationship of your life, and you know that you're angry. Well, unfortunately, these seven steps probably will not get you freedom. You need to find a godly counselor, someone who can help you identify anger and walk you out of that anger into freedom. Get that help. Leonardo da Vinci was painting the Last Supper. And just as he was about to paint the face of Christ, somebody made him angry. And he lashed out at that person. And then he tried to paint the face of Christ, and he couldn't. And he put down his brushes. And he went and he found that man. And he asked for his forgiveness. He admitted his anger. He did something about it. He put forgiveness there. And then he went back and he painted the face of Christ. You see, you'll never get close enough to see the face of Christ. An intimate relationship. As long as you allow unresolved anger to be a barrier between you and God. And if your anger is with anybody, it doesn't have to be with God. If that anger is unresolved and you're not willing to forgive, then there will always be barriers between you and God. And you can't be right with God and you can't walk with God. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 